Welcome back, Seahawks fans, to the newest episode of the Seahawks Podcast. I'm Nathan Sano, joined, as always, by the Jason, to my Michael, Kevin Garber. Kevin, how you doing? Uh, murdery. Yeah? And our very own Freddy. That's right. It's Eric Ronnebeck. Eric, how you feeling? Some sort of joke that involves the way you're going to die. Uh, great. Yep. Can't go to sleep now. Uh, it's trade deadline day. Uh, yeah, nothing interesting happened. Moving nothing on. happened. What's... What was your favorite trade rumor that you got sucked into, Eric? Uh, the day started with me going, man, I wish we'd recorded last night. I really wanted to speculate. And then the day ended with, I'm glad we didn't record last night. Uh, what I got I got the that. The late rumor that Trent Williams was, in fact, on the move. Right. Ian Rappaport tweeted yes. out in the morning. Yeah, yeah, screw you, Ian Rappaport. He was like, he was like, Trent Williams is open to being traded. It is happening. And I was like, okay, uh, Maybe we will get Trent Williams. Yeah, Maybe that we'll guy have. has always been open to being traded. It's the Redskins that refuse to yeah. trade him. My favorite is that the current story is everyone was so tired of the Redskins not trading him that they were just like, nah, dog, you're stuck. Yeah, they they wanted to try to get him for a first rounder. They wanted Denzel Ward was another one that and, they were going to try and do. And they would not. They refused to trade him for a second rounder. The Jets listened to offers for Jamal Adams. These are both players that would have been great fits for the Seahawks, by the way. Um Jamal Adams, I would easily give a first-round pick for, like, really fast. Because um, how good is the 32nd pick in the draft, anyway? Um, Trent Williams, probably same thing, if I'm being honest. I probably also would have given him a first-rounder for him. But obviously, John Schneider didn't feel like the value was there. He has dealt with injury problems, and he has sat out the whole season angry. So maybe they're worried about what kind of shape he's in. I'm not sure. That's also another $14 million a year on our books, let's face it. Uh, rumor has it that they wanted a deal that either started with a... Um, high, uh, highly rated or a highly coveted corner on a rookie deal or a first rounder plus yeah so i'm uh i'm whatever it's it is what it is i think i would the both those players would have been good fits but that's not what happened we're sticking with the guys we got we have a new safety coming in this week quandre Diggs, who hasn't even played a game in the uniform yet so i think they are willing to just kind of let it ride Tight end would have been a good spot to pick up some uh, some players, I think. Uh, Maybe Nick Vanette's available. Center. Uh, guess what? Brent went to IR, and guess who we called up from the practice squad, Eric? Your boy, Jordan Roos. Yeah, Jordan Roos. Thanks Roos. a lot. Way yeah. to go. I feel really bad for uh, for Justin Britt, too, because this guy was on his last year, year of his deal. Um, he was a guy who was really terrible as a tackle, not great as a guard, and he finally found a spot, and... Now he might be a Seahawk again next year, coming back on a low-money deal. What do you guys think about that? Do you think that we're going to bring him back next year, or do you think this might be the end of the era? That's that's the end of – you've seen the last Justin Britt game in a Seahawks uniform, in my opinion. The, he uh, He's set to make the third highest center salary next year. He does not uh, – no offense. Britt on his best day is a very good center, but third highest paid in the league? No, definitely not. So they'll probably – and they can cut him and save all of the money. So unless he decides, you know what, I still want to stay with the Seahawks anyway, even though I'm going to be staying for six million instead of eleven million, then we'll have him back. But I, I doubt it. I really think that the the succession plan was kind of in place. Um, Posich and Hunt are there to kind of backfill that gap. I think Posich is the guy that they believe can be the Pro Bowl caliber starter, and Hunt is the guy they believe can be the adequate backup. And they don't, I don't think the team thinks that they need Justin Britt after this year. So. I would um, tend to agree. I think that succession that succession plan is in place, but also Britt's been a bit of diminishing returns. Last couple seasons have come with significant health questions, and the level of play on a game to game basis has not been as high as we expected um, when the deal was signed. 
The other piece I think is now he's coming off of a pretty significant leg injury. And this is a guy who, let's face it, his whole career has been a step slow. So it's not an ideal situation. I think you're exactly right. His contract is structured where it only makes sense to move on from him after this season. Um, Eric, are you, what was your favorite memory of the Justin Britt era? Was it all the times we said he had cement shoes playing tackle? Honestly, moving him to center and not hating his guts. Because he had effetiitis in the sense that I hated him like I... I'm sorry. I bitched about him like I bitched about effetti. Uh, this was a guy who... The scouting reports on Justin Britt is a tackle where he keeps the guy in front of him at all times. And Justin Britt would sack Russell Wilson easily by just getting run into him. Uh, he couldn't... He kept the guy in front of him no problem... But he would always just back into the quarterback because he he didn't have the leg strength, he didn't have the the tree stumps as Kevin calls them. So yeah, moving to center that was my favorite Justin Britt. Know how to use his bubble? His bubble. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's uh, another good scouting term. I got another one for you. Uh, the defensive lineman will put him on skates. All right, the the Seahawks are six and two, um, but we play in the toughest division in football. We have to face the eight uh, seven and 49 ers twice. We got to face the Rams on the road again. We got to face the six and two Vikings, the four and four Eagles, the four and four Pan- uh, Panthers, the three four and one Cardinals. I mean, the rest of our schedule is pretty tough. Eric, are you worried about the rest of the year, or, or do you think this that we've kind of padded it out? We're probably going to six and two, seven and two if we beat the uh, the Yucks this week at home. Do you think that the, that this that the Seahawks should feel safe, or is it are you uh, are you worried about making the playoffs? I am deeply concerned. We are at six and two. Before the the season started, we said that we would need ten wins to get a wild card. At some point, we thought, "Hey, we got a chance at this division." And if San Francisco implodes, which uh, producer Brett will tell you is highly likely, well, um, uh, you know, Jimmy G, uh, he's just distracted by all them porn stars, and that's, uh, <laughs> that's the only thing. Anytime, anytime they go out, I'm like, "Come on, Brett prediction! Come on, Brett prediction!" But. Uh, at this point, we need four wins. Didn't they already hit the over that, that he bet on the over-under? Yeah, that yeah, sounds right. It was yes. like under six and a half, and he already, they already hit. The yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a damn shame what's going on in San Francisco. Uh, it's, it's certainly a surprise. But yeah, we need four more wins to get to ten wins. And I will ask you guys this question. Will ten wins guarantee us a wild card spot? I'm at the point where I'm thinking maybe oh, no. Know. Yeah, uh, maybe no, and I, are I there four ten wins? wins puts us week, in a tiebreaker scenario, thir- which I hate. Week 13 go. at home against the Vikings, I'm going to... I'm circling that in red pen. I'm uh, marking it with a square in black pen. I'm physically going to be at star, that game. I put a star around it in purple marker. Um, I took a green marker and I highlighted it a little bit um, because that game is so important. That is the team that I think we are going to be directly battling with for the uh, for a wild card spot. And it is it spells trouble if we don't get past that one. The other game you could circle is obviously at Rams on December eighth because that's the other team that we're going to be battling with for a wild card spot. Or I mean, we could just beat the 49ers twice. Um, ever since Richard Sherman ate that turkey leg on their field, we have owned them. But I'm I am not, I'd be lying if I said I wasn't a little bit worried. And we have three more big road trips have, ahead of us. They have good creative coaches, and we. Don't. don't. <laughs> so, 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 so that that's why I'm worried. It's not a talent thing. I think our talent is just as good as San Francisco's talent. In fact, I think our talent's a little better than I'm San gonna, Francisco's talent. On what side of the ball, Nathan? Both. 
Really? You Especially think, offense. I don't think about – I don't know about defense it's because they, that pass rush is a little you don't, better than ours. You're talking productivity. We're talking talent. You don't think Jadeveon Clowney's as good as – as talented as any other defensive lineman in football? I would argue strongly against that statement. I'm saying pound for pound what they're getting Alonso? out. I don't know if Ziggy Ansah is what we want him to be. I don't I don't really know. We're talking talent. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if he's talented enough. I don't know if he still has it. I just want to make – Something so the Seahawks this year, a lot of people are making like a lot of ado about how bad our pass rush is. Our pass rush is a mess. We are getting we have 133 pressures. How many pressures do you think the San Francisco 49ers have, Eric? Oh, you're gonna when you pose this, it means they have something like 52 pressures. 134. Okay. I mean, yeah, we've, we've played one more game than them, but the numbers are not like outstandingly different. The difference. Okay, I'm, I, I was going to save this rant for later, but the difference between the 49ers and the Seahawks right now is the Seahawks team speed in the back the back end of the defense is really poor, and everyone gets to throw the ball against us in like two seconds, and it's impossible for a pass rush to ever finish a sack. It has nothing to do with the talent of the pass rushers. The pass rushers are consistently creating pressure and crashing and the pocket, on the and, and, but here comes Matt Schaub. He drops back. He looks, and the thing about our defense is, is it's so... Freaking simplistic. It's so frustrating. It's so simplistic. The Matt Schaub, guy who has not started a game in, what, five years? Was a good quarterback last time he started, but, you know, let's say. Well, no, gonna... he got benched for throwing pick sixes. Okay, he, he, he has made a Pro Bowl in his career. He threw 4,000 yards once. Okay, he has been decent before. Yes. For Atlanta, right? Um, but, but Matt Schaub comes out. He looks at our defense. He says, this guy is going to be covered by a linebacker. He looks that he stares that read down, drops back and passes it in like two seconds, and gets nine yards over and over and over again. We turned Julio Jones into a short threat this week, something that normally Julio Jones doesn't do. Julio Jones likes to go deep, likes to likes to make them make them work for the yards. Julio Jones had a bunch of short catches this week, and you know why? Because he was being covered by linebackers and other ridiculous shit that should never happen. And it's just it's uh, it's incredibly frustrating and it's it's a it's a scheme problem it's not a team problem and did you guys read the article that came out today about how the san francisco 49ers have moved on from the seahawks style of defense yep Mm -mm. and it's a really good read into just kind of like how you need to structure your defense differently and how the seahawks way of lining up base four three and asking people to beat your talent is just not going to work unless you have Generational talent. Generational talent at multiple positions like we used to. We used to have two likely Pro Bowl safeties if Cam doesn't ever get the next stinger. Earl's making the Pro Bowl. uh, Or Super Bowl. I mean Hall of Fame. Richard Sherman, Hall of Famer. Okay, so we have three Hall of Fame generational talents in the secondary anchored by a Hall of Fame generational talent at middle linebacker. Like just Hall of Famers all over this defense. And it's and then two really really good defensive ends in Avron Bennett. Like and now whatever a Russell Gage Jr. is got seven out of eight for fifty eight yards on targets because he could just pick on the middle of our defense. Right, like Russell Gage Jr. the guy their their guy that they replaced Mohamed Sanu with. They were like, we don't need Mohamed Sanu. You know why? Because the Seahawks aren't going to be able to cover Russell Gage Jr. Who needs Mohamed Sanu Senior? We got Junior. Right here for you. And it, and it's just, they picked on us. Eric, over under 0.5, you knowing Russell Gage Jr. existence. <laughs> Before the game? Before the game. Under. There we yeah. go. Uh, yeah, certainly it's over now. This highlights the problem. That's the funny thing hey, is I wanted to bring problem? that up because when Russell Gage Jr. Well, I was like, Jaren did I played get 60, that name wrong? Jaren Reed played 62 snaps. Do you know how many times he dropped into coverage in this game? <sighs> well, it was more than zero. I was about to say it yeah. was like 
two or three. It was two. It was it was four, dumb. Maybe, yeah. But two is two is too too many. That's I I just I can't do it anymore. Like I can't just I can't in good conscience be like, oh yeah, everything's gonna be fine. This team scheme schemes are are dated and antiquated, and I it puts a lid on how good we could be, and we should be the the roster that John Schneider has constructed is one that can win the Super Bowl. And we're going to piss it away because we can't figure out how to put these guys in the best position to succeed with our rigid adherence to these old idiotic ways of doing things. It's like you got to evolve. And maybe they plan on doing that, but they just need Quandre Jiggs and the rest of the safeties to be healthy because it definitely hurt that Leno, uh, Brad, and Quandre are all injured or partially injured right like these well, guys because yeah, taylor sucked. brad could only play like 11 snaps and like those were like desperation snaps too he i don't think they wanted to have him out there at all akeem king was hot garbage yeah uh he gave up seven catches on seven targets for 131 yards and then jamar taylor was hot garbage six catches on six targets for 68 yards they combined to give up 10 first downs Do you know who wasn't bad though receptions. you know who wasn't bad so nico easy. nico thorpe actually came out and looked fine because they got so desperate with how bad king was playing that they were like hey throw special teams cap out there like so we gotta change something yeah marquise blair was functional like he he te- he closed out pretty quick on the receptions I, he gave i know out. he gave up a lot of receptions and it, and it, and it looks bad on that on. Sheet. but but i think like for a guy in his second start where they were like we're gonna challenge this guy i think he held up fine he didn't give up a crazy amount of yards. Like his longest reception, I think he gave up was 19, mm-hmm. and uh, that that's that's fine. That's like a serviceable rookie safety performance where um, it definitely was better than what Tedrick Thompson was. I was gonna say he didn't give up any big mistakes. He was gonna give up a huge a huge mistake if we uh, if we give. Oh wait, Tedrick Thompson got 76 snaps and gave up no catches. Just kidding, guys. Tedrick <laughs> Tedrick Thompson did fine in this game. Well, that uh, means you have to bench him next time. Yeah, bench him. Bench him out coming off the. Good no, games. but going back to what you're saying, yeah, our talent level is great, but there's something that we're not able to run because we don't have the talent. I think Pete thinks we have the talent when we're healthy, but we just don't have that. And you're talking about pissing away a chance at the Super Bowl. I'm kind of going smaller than that and saying we're pissing away our our only chance with our best girl, Jadavian Clowney. Because we're probably not going to have him pass this year. And I don't I don't know what's gonna be in store next year for this like this new influx of talent we're going to get that will somehow and save Jadavian's, our ass. Jadavian's so do we want to keep going 10,000 foot view or do we want to start talking no, about game? Jadavian is the perfect example of what I'm talking about where like people are like, well, he's uh, he's not getting sacks. Jadavian Klein has never had more than eight sacks, but he had seven pressures in this game, which yep. is a pretty significant number. He's he the one guy the quarterback that's on every times. play. He's in on every play. He had three run stops. And you're right, Eric. If we – oh, and he had – didn't he have a um, – uh, he had the fumble at the end of the half. Right. Yeah, he had yeah. the, he had the strip sack on the, uh, uh, the drop back by Shaw. He also dropped in the coverage seven times. Okay. Um, I mean, sure, Ken Norton. I hate you. The, the um, that's. I think that's part of it too. It's more is, reasonable to have Clowney drop into coverage sure. than it is than it is to have Jaron Reed. But. but we have Ken Norton, who's not a good defensive coordinator. We have two stops at two different franchises where the defense got worse every year under him. Um, between the Raiders and here. Like, we can, like, there's enough of a track record to say that Ken Norton Jr. is not a good defensive coordinator. And he's uh, poorly doing defensive play calling with an antiquated install of Pete Carroll's defense. Like, how many we times? We just need some fresh brains in the room. How many times do you think Nick Bosa has dropped into coverage the whole season? One, <laughs> two. Okay. Damien Clowney's done it more, did it more just in the last game. 
Like, that's... Jaron Reed did it as many times in the last game. I don't know if you know this. Jaron Reed, very large human. <laughs> Jaron Reed is a... Yeah, all right. I, I think, yeah, we all agree. North-South mobility is backpedal, so not tight. Is there a solution that we can hit this year, though? Or is it... Are we kind of just stuck where we are at? We're not stuck. It, it all depends on what Pete Carroll wants to do. Dan Quinn getting fired and becoming assistant defensive or assistant head coach. Quality and control calling guy. calling the plays on yeah. defense. It won't fix the problem that the install is dated, but it'll at least have us playing the best version of this defense. Yeah, I think he can be a, a little, a little, he'd be a little smarter than a... If you think about our blitzing efficiency during the Dan Quinn era, and also the uh, um, Bradley, Gus Bradley era, the defenses are like our blitzing um God, I wish we would have hired Gus really Bradley strong. back when he got fired from Jacksonville. Yep. Uh, he, like, both of these are still running a slightly antiquated system, but they're running it kind of at max efficiency. And there's an understanding of how to adapt to your talent. I feel like the last two defensive coordinators that we had, um, it was just handing them the keys, and they were trying as hard as they could not to wreck the car. Getting home on a blitz, Kevin. What's that? Uh, Bobby Wagner did it once. Remember how Bobby Wagner is super efficient at blitzing? Yeah. Uh, our defense doesn't remember that. <laughs> I watched the Sunday night game where it was Kansas City and Green Bay. And on at the end of the half, basically they sent the house against Aaron Rodgers, and it and it worked. And I was reminded, like, oh yeah, Green uh, New Orleans did the same thing. And I was like, well, the Seahawks sort of screwed this up. And sadly, it's true. We played prevent. We had a rush three, and still had three linebackers out there in coverage against four wide receivers, and it would have been awful. Yeah, I mean. Shab Shab was two point. I I looked it up just so you guys know. Two point three seconds per attempt. He dropped back to pass fifty two times. Thirty four of those dropbacks he got rid of in two and a half seconds or less. There's no chance to pass. Twenty six for thirty four on the eighteen dropbacks that he uh, he only had eighteen dropbacks where he uh, he took more than two seconds and we got two sacks on those because that's when you can actually get a sack. Hey, turns out that he was blitz seventeen times. And he was pressured 12. So that means, I would say, so, what, and all 12 of those pressures came in those 18. So 12 out of his 18 attempts where he actually had to legitimately make a second read, he was pressured. Yeah. Like, that it. says a lot about we what our it. defense and did. And then one of those turned into an interception when he threw it just directly to Michael Kendrick. And one of them should have been an interception when Akeem King just straight up dropped an interception. Yeah. They didn't credit him with a pass breakup on that play, which made they me, which have. made me happy. Uh, okay, let's. I'm gonna talk. Let's talk a little. Yeah, let's just get go into this game on the defense. The continued evolution of Shaquille Griffin. Shaquille Griffin now I think is uh, he went 50. percent They targeted him 10 times. So they went after him. He only gave up five receptions on those 10 targets and had two, I think, pretty excellent pass breakups. Um, also, I, only 12 yards after the catch. He closed out the play after it finished. I, Shaquille, there was a lot of pressure on him in this game because Trey was hurt, and I think he really rose to the occasion. Trey, uh, Trey and Shaquille, uh, I, that's that's our cornerbacks of the future right there. I don't I don't think we really 
A lot of people might say, oh, you should look for a cornerback. Oh, maybe we should trade for Jalen Ramsey. I think if these guys stay healthy, they're good enough. I would rather improve the team by getting a nickel cornerback or... or In the modern uh, NFL, slot corner is a starting position. Or That's maybe the corner we need the most. Or getting, like, t- uh, you know, slightly better safeties or however we want to improve. There's, I think there's better ways, to, paths to improve the team than trying to improve outside coverage corner. Eric, I know you're a big Shaquille Griffin stan. How did you feel about him? I mean... Man, Shaq is is one part of this defense that can't let me down, and I'm not really let let down by anyone on this team. It's it's more so the coaching. Um, I mean, I I feel like Jamar Taylor is our fourth linebacker with the way he's playing. Really, because he sucks at that too. That's <laughs> the way he covers uh, is is like just. He's very handsy. You can he gets picked on a lot. Yeah, but he's, he had a he's handsy. He had a bad penalty in this game. He's like, handsy with no gave, defense. Gave up, gave up first down on the penalty, and it yeah. was like a very. He was very handsy on that play. Like I don't know what Ugo Amadi's doing, but just put him, just put him in as a third safety. I don't even he's care. He's always scared to start rookies on defense. Yeah, we, he basically only is starting Blair because his hand got forced. Like there's a million guys hurt. If there, if he had any choice, he would. I could see after the bye, maybe Amadi gets a little run, but he he's is so uh, concerned about toxic differential and the mistakes that rookies make that he's overly the, conservative. I just don't see how he could be worse than Taylor at this point. Or any anyone, really. Um, yeah, you know, to answer your question, though, yeah, I mean, Shaq's great, and like you said, we're not getting killed on the outside. It might be nice to get killed, like, if someone picked on the opposite side of Shaq once in a while. Um, that would mean that you're not getting the ball out in two and a half seconds. You know, it's this is the reality. I don't know how they fix it because I'm not a D coordinator. I don't know what the quick fix is. Uh, I would say, how is San Francisco getting you, beat? But they're you wanna, not. Do you want to know how to fix it? Okay, and I, I did some research for this, and I, this is a big problem on this Seahawks team you right have now. To flex man you have schemes. to stop missing tackles. Yeah, um, this Seahawks team is on pace to match the worst season in terms of missed tackles in all of the Pete Carroll era. They're on pace to get a hundred, and uh, uh, no, wait, we're on pace to get it. Yeah, hundred and thirty-six. The worst Pete Carroll's ever had is hundred and thirty-four in one season, and that season was much worse than the second worst season, which was around hundred and ten. And the leader in the clubhouse, of course, is your boy, Michael Kendricks, missing 15 tackles this year. That guy is like, Michael Kendricks drives me insane because he's on the field all the time in these 4-3 sets. He shouldn't be on the field anyway. He makes mistakes, misses tackles, gets beat in coverage. The whole, the, the team speed on the back end that guys just get lost in zones all the time. You know, they'll, they'll pass off a guy and he'll just run right by the next guy that got passed off to because there's just not enough speed to react to these situations. And it's and then once the ball is caught, then there's a guy that misses a tackle or there's a it's just it's, having guys like Earl Thomas uh, covers for a lot of sins because the dude just covers so much ground. And that's a very, very narrow window of players that have that ability. Um, so overall defensive performance, I think it was pretty average, not good. Not bad. At at the end of the day, if this team's going to be coached like this, this is a average to slightly below average defense. I think that a better coach or a more creative coaching mind putting this talent in positions to succeed could make this into a top 10 defense, but it is not going to be a top 10 defense. And, and that is a problem because of this. We all watch the game. We're up 24-0. The group chat is like, this game is boring, but I'm glad that I'm not going to have to sweat it. This is uh, this is just, I'm not I'm not sure I'm gonna watch the whole second half. If we, what what I said I said this is the best I've felt about a game in a long time. Then, P. Carroll, P. Carroll, 
He thinks that this is a top 10 defense still. He has this in his head. So what does he do? Takes his foot right off the gas and does not realize that this is no longer a team where you can take your foot off the offensive gas pedal because this team is only, the only thing that matters is the offense. The offense is the driver of this car. The defense doesn't drive the car anymore. The defense is in the back seat, relying on the offense to do the work. And so if, if the offense keeps punishing Atlanta, maybe the maybe their offense keeps having to press and and never gets to get into groove, and we, and we we end up you know washing them out forty two to to seven or whatever. But instead, no, Pete takes his foot off the gas, says, okay, we'll go out there, we'll let our defense win us the game. That is not something you can do with this team. They're gonna they gave up <laughs> five, what five hundred passing yards to Matt, four hundred passing yards to Matt Schaub. Unacceptable. What's the what's the actual four sixty? Four sixty. Four hundred and sixty passing yards. I feel like you can call that five hundred. That's ridiculous. Uh, That is yeah, thirty nine for fifty two for four sixty eight point eight yards per attempt. Uh, This dude was not even for one on passes twenty plus yards. He he nickel and dimed us to death. Right. Ten for sixteen. 10 plus yards, 24 for 26 in 0 to 10 yards for 208 yards. Embarrassing team speed on the back end. Just like, just a, it's, it's, those guys are going to be able to rip us apart. If Matt Shaw goes out there and he looks at the defense and he said, and he's going to take what he gives us, and any good quarterback is going to do that to us. So maybe it won't happen against Jimmy G. Here's the maybe thing it won't happen against Jared Goff. But there are good quarterbacks in the NFC that are going to be able but to rip us apart. You just need two people with really good play callers. And a good play caller can do can scheme the situation. So Jared Goff, I don't know if you've heard, but like McVeigh talks to him in the helmet until like the last second possible to help him read the to. defense. And McVeigh is the one who's really going to tear us apart. Yes. It's not Goff. McVeigh in the helmet going, okay, do you see over here and Shanahan, on the on the mic? Shanahan's a legitimate OC on the mic. Oh, Shanahan's a great coach. Yeah, their 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 coaching is going to be a problem for us. Well, we need to, so to beat that, what do we do? We have to disguise the defense. Right. We have to disguise the defense until that microphone gets turned off, and then, uh-oh, Goff and Garoppolo are who they are, and they're going to make mistakes. But is Pete Carroll so stubborn he's not going to do that? Or do you think that this that, that there's a step of creativity that, that these guys can take? I think that that's something that the team is able to do. I like My big takeaway from this game was the team completely took their foot off the gas. That was what we talked about on our Twitter feed and in our group chat was... This is Pete Carroll thinking it's the 2013 team with this lockdown defense and this amazing run game. And that's just not the team that we have anymore. And the problem is when you're a pass-first team, it can be really difficult to kickstart the offense once you take your foot off the gas. And so that's kind of what we ended up seeing. We saw a really vanilla brand of football in the second half, and that's what let them back into the game. This game still was never particularly close, even though it had the illusion of being close at the end. Dude, Russ only dropped back 24 times. And out of those 24 times, I want to say, what was it, like 18 was in the first half? Yeah, it's Uh, it's like... Yeah, they went they went like French vanilla. They got out the white flag. They were like, "Hey, uh, come 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 in and take our (laughs) come and let our defense try to beat you." Good accent, boom. It's it's wrong podcast, boom. French. French, That's my French accent. Oh, French French coach Matt Lafleur. Anyway, you got to listen to the Patreon podcast to get you got to pay for this. Got to pay for more more of that coverage for the international scene. (laughs) Can't I can't wait till we play. That's the guy who will kill us in the playoffs. We're gonna go to we're gonna that's the we're gonna we, Green Bay is gonna be the four seed. We're gonna go to Green Bay in the first round, and they're gonna and then Russell Wilson can't throw in the rain, and Pete Carroll can't coach his defense to be creative at all. And we're gonna take the ball and we're gonna score thirty-one to thirteen or something. We're gonna <laughs> Kevin Rubin salt off us. 
I'm so I'm already mad, and it hasn't okay. even happened yet. Okay. So, <laughs> looking at the offense, we had a, another really efficient rest game. Uh, 14 for 20 for 182, 9.1 yards per attempt, two touchdowns, uh, killed the blitz, killed pressure, found the open man every time, really efficient pass game. The running game was really effective. Uh, Rashad Penny had himself a nice game. The offense was good until we decided that we were just going to try and run the clock out. Dude, Carson, 91 yards after contact on 90 total yards. The... The offense, okay. Here's the thing with the offense is is that it was good, yeah, and we just couldn't we couldn't get that one long drive to kill the clock. And well, Brady the, Jarrett and the reason uh, we couldn't get it is something Davison. I don't remember the new first name because who remembers his name? Uh, in the middle, <laughs> their middle stuffed our run. Right, and we they, and Hunt could not get any leverage on anyone. You can't run against Grady. Grady Jarrett's so good with our backup center. Like, why were we doing that? I don't know. Um, the run blocking, just in general, like not not really impressive. I was not impressed. Pass blocking, I thought was fine. I thought the pass blocking looked good. I think they gave up what two sacks and only I think ten pressures or something, and it was mostly Hunt. Hunt's getting killed on the inside. Also, new potty. I felt like also those that came when Atlanta was building confidence. There's something to be said about that, and that again goes with us taking our foot off the gas. Yeah, I think there was a disrespect there. Uh, it reminded me of the uh, Cincinnati game in that respect. We're not George George Fant coming in as an extra blocker, and he had pass blocked twice, and both those times he got like beat. I was getting so mad. He also played left tackle. Oh, he those were actual left tackle snaps. Yeah, I, I was like not paying. No, he came in for one or two drives at left tackle and got beat. Just one because it's like only seven. He uh, Dwayne Brown played fifty three of sixty offensive snaps. Okay. Um, okay. Uh, Actually, that's, that's two drives because you know two punts. Oh, <laughs> you're saying they're both punt, run, run, pass. I'm pretty punt. sure that was like a <laughs> single first down, lots of punting. He had 17 total. Sna- oh, it says seven left tackle snaps. There, there you go. go. Uh, yep, that's two drives in the second half. That was how our second half went, folks. Eleven tight end snaps. Uh, he ran zero routes. That's cow- not true. Cowards. It says it. Oh, says- must have been called back on a penalty. He ran a route. Oh, yeah, it might have been on one of Joey Hunt's what four penalties. I'm so. How many penalties did Joey Hunt have? It was one. depressing. Fluker had two. Iopati had one. Brown had one. Britt had or Lockett had one. <laughs> Iopati went to the other side one. of the field. Lockett had a blocking. Choked the guy, and then as soon as the flag went up, put both hands up. Good job, Mike. Um. Okay. Can I DK Metcalf? I just want to say real quick, DK Metcalf. Uh, two touchdowns, and probably should have had another one. Oh, uh, that was not a good drop. But. Like, I get it, but that was not a good drop. I wasn't happy about that. The drop? What do you... The drop in the end zone that should have been his third touchdown. They didn't credit him with the drop. I know, but they should have. I think that that... That, that was, was a tough catch, but he should have had that. Like, I... I, I expect he got the, that out he of got the touchdown. He got the touchdown later. He got it back. Yeah. Um, no, the, the quick pass for the first touchdown when uh, Atlanta didn't set, and Russ just had him snap the ball and threw it in, that was a heads-up play... Um, the drag route across the back of the end zone. Um, we had DK Metcalf basically run the Jimmy Graham route. And that makes a lot of sense because he's like bigger, more athletic Jimmy Graham. And we, yes, I did say bigger. We need a, and then I think we really need a blocking tight end. I don't, I know Fant is a blocking tight end, but I think. We need a real one? Yeah, having the ability to have we need a back. tight end that can block and then run a route, is a real route, uh, is, is, uh, is something that this would made our offense a lot more dynamic. That's a big part of what Schottenheimer likes to do. Yeah. Disley, and guess what Wilson doesn't do? 
Um, block. Block, yeah. He's, Except he's, on Twitter. He's a pretty decent de- decent pass catcher, though. He looked good in this game. He got yeah, what, fine. one catch for seven yards, and I think he looked fine out there. Hollister got the two catches. Uh, Hollister throws me off because he wears 48. Makes me think that he's going to be a fullback, and then I'm like, wait, we cut Ballore? and then um, But then we didn't. He did leave yeah, Lockett. Luck. Uh, Lockett caught six passes for five first downs because Lockett's really good. How many uh, how many how many snaps do you think Nick Ballard played on offense in this game? One, three. All oh, right, that's two the, three. That's, that's a great use of a roster. I was going to guess three, but it would have just been a guess. Uh, King King was actually better on special teams than he was on uh, on defense. Be worse than he was on defense. Um, great, put him in a fullback. Jason, uh, return of punt hub. Jason Myers also like that kick that he made. I think that would have been in from like seventy. Did that that, that flat was a weird that flat ball. one? I was like, that thing was that was that good from like seventy yards? Because oh, I bumped the mic. I'm sorry. Uh, the, <laughs> that thing is like yeah, it was low. It was crazy. like when you adjust your arrow on Madden just to be silly. That's, yes, you did that. Yeah, like it, it was a low flying plane just over the center's head and then just cruised. But yes, punt hump was back. Four great punts. All three inside the twenty. Um, really good punt coverage. Only yeah, only eight return yards, which has been the problem this season with Dixon is that. He's not. He's not had. He's had very returnable punts so far this year. A lot of his punts have been returned, and uh, yeah, it's it's been. It was nice to see him not give up. You know, like a ten yard, any any like ten yard or so. I think what we can all agree on here is the biggest problem with this game and the frustration with this game was this was a game that was well in hand. We were doing exactly what we should have done against a team that is struggling, and then we just completely phased out every part of our offense that does anything well we we turned in an amazing first half defense was at least fooling people and our offense was amazing and then we reverted back to what we did since week one against the Bengals. i mean they targeted our they targeted our linebackers 13 times they targeted taylor six more they went after blair eight eight times and they really tried to pick on Shaq, but it, Shaq was not having it. So, nope. so I mean, if they would have to give instead of trying to pick on Shaq, they would have gone after literally anyone else. I think that we might have they might have been a close game. You know, like this game was kind of. Um, well, and if it was forty-one twenty, you we wouldn't have make, been making a big deal about them getting all these yards in the second half. We'd have been like, oh, whatever, Blake Bortles garbage time, who cares? But it, it was twenty-seven twenty because we didn't score. All right, you guys ready to talk about uh, next week's game against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? Yes. Hey, Eric, where are your Buccaneers? Where, am, where are they? Yeah, they're on your bucking head. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> I was like, am I missing something? No, Eric, you weren't missing anything. No, you were. You no, missed. No you, one missed. You that. were missing it. Okay, you guys want to hear an, a perfect example of a player? I don't trust you to hear anything now. <laughs> uh, oh, man. Come on. That was a good – that was funny. That was a good pun. Okay? Uh, Chris appreciated it. How about this? That joke there are, there, there are people that that think that Shaquille Barrett is playing better than Jadavian Clowney right now. Uh, that, yeah. Well, that's because Sax is the only good measure right. of defensive player. That's because people think Sax is the only thing. Um, let's let's do a little uh, single player comparison here. Just Man, to, ten sacks on twenty seven pressures. That's efficient. Yeah, exactly. He has ten sacks on twenty seven pressures. Jadavian has two sacks on an impressive thirty three pressures. Uh, they're very even on run stops, uh, seventeen to eleven. And I think that people should recognize that this is a. These players are either at worst roughly equal. In my opinion, Jadavian's a little bit better, 
but uh, that that's but because Shaquille Barrett has turned every single freaking pressure he's done into a sack, people are out there like Shaquille Barrett, man, defensive player of the year. He's on pace for for like 22, 25 sacks. It's like it's like, dude, that's gonna one that's gonna slow down. People and love home runs. That's why Nathan. Chicks did the long ball. People love people love undrafted free agents. That's why they're like they love an under a plucky underdog story, right? Isn't that what Shaquille Barrett is? A plucky underdog story? Uh, I would like to note he spells Shaquille with only one L, so he is only half as good as our Shaquille. Yeah. And uh, which school did you like that he went to better, Kevin? Uh, Colorado State or Nebraska? Uh, Colorado State. Okay. Screw Nebraska. Yeah. Well, I mean, you don't have to. They're doing it to themselves. So, <laughs> the, the um, yeah, the Bucks. So, I don't want scared about any aspect of this team. Can I start with that? There's no aspect of this team that scares me because their quarterback, like you might think, oh, well, they got Godwin, they got Evans. Those guys are really good. But if they keep throwing it over and over, eventually their quarterback is going to kill them. Jameis Winston is going to kill you eventually. I was looking at their directional passing stats. He cannot. And it's so funny because you're like, okay, if he throws deep, so he has 14 attempts outside left. 11 between the numbers, and 13 outside right. So pretty even splits on that, right? Um, 20-plus yards downfield. He's 2 for 14 to the outside left and 5 for 13 to the outside right. So he keeps throwing these balls that he's not really making. He's thrown three interceptions and three touchdowns deep. Then you're like, okay, well, let's let's go ahead and bring it in. It should be a little bit better, right? So 10 to 20 yards, 7 touchdowns, 3 interceptions, Okay. So, you know, a little bit more efficient and everything. So, yeah, okay, so now let's make the pass even shorter. So, 0 to 10 yards, uh, 2 touchdowns, 5 interceptions. <laughs> I like this stat because, honestly, I was a little worried because I thought, well, I know they throw deep, and I know that we're having trouble getting home, which means that'll give us a little more time to get home on a sack. That'll help us. But they're going to adjust Jame- like every other team does. Having but this actually sounds good. Jameis Winston has 12 interceptions. And and how many fumbles do you think? How many times do you think he's fumbled the ball this year? Oh, well, I don't know. Three, six. more. Come on, guys, you can do better. Well, Ten. more than six. More, more than more than six. Six. Uh, more than three. It's eight. Wow. Eight fumbles. Only two of them have been recovered. But that's luck. That's a luck thing. And Jadavion Clowney, he's this, got a knack for getting the strip is, on that. This is gonna come back to haunt him. Right now, he's he's a he's a turnover machine, Jameis Winston. And I think Bruce Arians and his stupid Kangle hat, uh, they <laughs> they don't have any other options. You if know, they the had other a thing that Bruce Arians doesn't like to do, wear wear game. a normal hat. Oh, okay. So I, I went that a different means we could actually one. get pressure on him. Their run game has been very mediocre, and we've been good against the run so far this year. I think Ronald Jones has been fine. He just doesn't get any opportunities. They've got uh, Peyton Barber has three yards per carry. Ronald Jones has 4.2 yards per carry. Yeah, but 4.2 yards per attempt, 2.81 yards after contact. Like, that's that's a reliably solid NFL running back. I didn't say that Ronald Jones is a bad running back. I said their run game has been very fine. Because they don't run. Like, they just don't. They just give up. They both have have 169 total run attempts. That's ridiculous. Why... Why would you not just like like we have what eighty more run attempts? Because he's season? trying to pass his way into a new quarterback. Haven't you figured that out yet? This is Bruce Arians' master plan to let Jameis Winston throw himself out of a job. I mean, he already did. Well, it's not hard. They need to get Mike Glennon in here. Where's yeah? Get, get trade trade for him from Oakland. Can we, can we get the giraffe on the phone? 
get Glennon, get Glennon in here. We need him. Uh, Phil Sims' kid is doing an announcing. He's available too. First time anyone's ever said we need Mike Glennon. Mm, I'm sure someone said it because yeah, the has, NC State coach who picked him uh, over no, Scott senior. Did you guys watch Hard Knocks? Trust oh, me, no. trust me. He wanted Mike Glennon. He He's wanted in, Glennon and Peterman, and he wanted all of them. He loved, you know why? I love all these quarterbacks, Mike. Because he's into fucking nightmares. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> uh, okay, this is a, let's just go with this. This is a reliably solid offensive line with good wide receivers, a really talented tight end, good running backs, and a dumpster fire quarterback. Uh, I think of note, really good tight end they don't use. Two really good tight ends they don't use. Yeah, uh, that's how you do it. And it's a dumpster fire quarterback. Man, Schottenheimer would love to have their tight ends. If they, if you took this talent and you just took Winston and you threw him into the sun. And, and you went just, out and got like Ryan Tannehill. And you went out and got Andy Dalton. Oh, that's a good one. Ooh, Andy this team would be, would be a really this good team one. would be like uh, a he fringe He will be available contender. at the He's end of the year. Yeah, they didn't trade for him. Trade deadline's over. Red hair, red uniforms. Make All it right. happen. Their defense. Is like their defense is really good in the front seven, like super, super good, and like trash, really, in the back end. really bad on the back end, like hurtfully bad. And also, I hate to say this, but Devin White in the like four games he's played this year is uh, is not what I thought he would be. I don't know if he's hurt or just bad, but he's been targeted 14 times, given up 12 receptions and 109 of his 173 yards have come after the catch. That is uh That's not good. That is not good. And I had I was pretty pretty stoked on Devin White. Thought he was kind of a prototypical what a 2019 coverage linebacker should look like. And um I'm I'm not saying it's over, but he's got to show me something this year because that is uh he's in full on like get picked on territory uh Austin Cali- Austin Calitro <laughs> territory, you know, where you see him on the field you're like we're coming for that guy. Uh, Carlton Davis, not good. Sean Murphy Bunting, not good. Their uh, their cornerbacks generally, Vernon Hargraves, not good. Uh, they have one decent secondary player. It's uh, it's uh, MJ Stewart. That's it. Everyone else, bad. The safeties are bad. The other corners are bad. Levante we should, David's fine. If we don't come out there and just run a thousand times, if we do make any effort to, to throw the ball, this game should be relatively easy, I think. Home game. Um, is it going to rain? I got to look that up. No. What's the what's the weather look like Sunday, Eric? Uh, weather's supposed to be nice. Uh, I believe going into the weekend. I'm pulling it up right now. By the way, yeah, MJ Stewart's their slot corner. Um, so right. their only de- decent coverage guy is a undersized slot corner. But he is good. Well, I'm sorry, he'd be undersized for outside. He's a he's a solid size slot corner, and I don't care how good you are, Ooh. as we've seen at least once a game, every game. Lockett just doesn't care. 20, 20% chance of rain, Kevin. I'm not even. We don't need to say any more than that. Russell Wilson's going off this game. Uh, let's go to picks. Kevin, you, you're right. Lockett doesn't care. 20% chance of rain, especially now he really, really doesn't care. Uh, Eric with the weather report. Kevin, you got a pick? You got you got How much are we going to win by? All right. So There's I no am rain, taking, so. I am taking Seattle here. I think this will be a game. You know who uh, Pete Carroll doesn't like? Bruce Arians. Uh, stupid Kangle hat, Bruce Arians. Uh, so you know who he's not going to try to not embarrass? Uh, Bruce Arians. So I think this is going to be a get-right game. The cure for the common defense. Uh, we're going to see uh, a strip sack. We're going to see an interception. And we're going to see 38 
21. I'm right, I'm looking for that five Ooh. pick game. I'm looking for that golden sombrero. You know, you know how like uh you you know how your boy Jameis Winston likes to eat an eye. So uh <laughs> that's an INT. Uh give me the Seahawks 31 to 14. You because you're not gonna stop him from ever getting to the end zone. Godwin Evans, yeah, the receivers are too Jones, Brait. Howard, they have too many good offensive weapons. They're not going to not get to And Jameis will bomb it down the field. Well, that's the thing. Jameis Winston will throw two touchdowns, so just throw three picks to go with him. Okay. Eric? I'm kind of in the middle. I got the Seahawks, 37. The Buccaneers, 18. Should be wearing throwbacks. It's the perfect game for it. It's home game. Expansion team. Expansion brothers. Are we, are we wearing throwbacks, though? Nope. Because no, of course the not. stupid helmet rules. And yep. also the stupid Buccaneers uniforms. Oh, they should wear the creamsicles. Uh, they're my favorite. I'm every every two years I go into this, and Dominican Sue probably gonna get a sack, maybe sack and a half. We're gonna. He win. is literally twice the size of Joey Hunt. Donkey Kong Sue. Mm-hmm. Donkey Kong Sue. And Dominican Idol. Donkey Kong Sue. That's uh, that's my that's my uh, my favorite. Uh, got Cam Newtonism now. It's your favorite Cam Newtonism. Cam Newtonism. I, I, you know what? I love Cam Newton because he dresses like Prince and like makes these weird YouTube videos. And I mean, he's just. He's just a weirdo. Yeah, and he makes these like YouTube videos friends. where he doesn't say anything for a minute and a half, but he's talking the whole time. And then he's smoking a, he's smoking a cigar and you're just watching yeah, it. Yeah, like, so I just, I just had to make a video, and you he's know? Just like, <laughs> Not I'm saying. No, Cam, no one does. Go flip uh, another car. Okay, there's a couple Twitter questions that I want to make sure to hit before we get to the, the, ad, losing it. the ad break because I think um, uh, I want to respect the fact that we asked... Uh, what should we do with the secondary when an injury's hit? Uh, just get torched, man. There's nothing you can do. Injuries are injuries. Um, but, yeah, we need to draft a little better in but, the secondary and then trust that process. We need a uh, nickel corner. Whether that's yep. if whether that guy's already on the roster, Ugo Amadi, or he's coming next year through free agency or the draft, a nickel corner will make a world of difference. I actually think the safety depth, they've, tr- they've spent a lot of draft picks on it, and uh, I'm guessing that they really believe in a couple of these guys, right? Yeah, the uh, other piece on that I think is that we felt better about King going into the off season than uh, King than he's played. I I I honestly didn't feel this bad about him, but every time he's gotten a chance, he's looked like doo doo. Okay, at the kitchen couch, which is uh, another podcast, asked us: Is Ken Norton being out coached? Yes, I think we already said that. That's every a, game. That's a positive. Um, what I the hell was our offensive game plan in the second half? Let them back in the the back door. Uh, why are we still leaving our linebackers out there that day? Because we're trying to lose. Um, seems like the talent is there on defense. Completely agree. Hard to believe Pete can tolerate this performance. Say he fires Ken Norton. Can Eric Kevin and Nathan take over the DL, LB, and secondary coach? How do I fix it? Okay, well, if everyone is right, I play Quandre Diggs at overhang safety. I never put three linebackers on the field. I always try to have three guys, three safeties on the field. Brad, Quandre, and... Uh, Brad Quandre and Tedrick, or Brad Quandre and Leno, and I and I I put Blair out there over Leno. I or Blair, I just three yes. three any three safeties out there at all times, yep. depending on situation, um, and I mix it up and I mix it up in a way that disguises what I'm trying to do. So so I'm like so maybe on this play I have Tedrick play play in the in the slot and I have him line up in the slot and then the next play I put Tedrick in deep single high because I don't want them to to be able to look at my defense and easily be able to read exactly what I'm doing. Um, you know another option Kendrick, we have? I only put Kendricks on the field as a as a Leo stand up pass rusher on third down. Uh, because I think that that's the only useful thing he does brings to the team at this point. There's nothing else that he's doing that really excites me. Yep, he's not a good tackler. A three, four over. He's not a good coverage. He's he's not a 
Now, the other option is what Kevin's saying. And Kevin, go ahead and explain. What, what would our 3-4 personnel look like? So if you run a 3-4 over, which would mean that you have a linebacker that's functionally playing like a stand-up down lineman, uh, then you'd have an interchange between Clowney and Kendricks where you don't know which one of them is rushing the passer and which one of them is dropping into coverage, which you have the flexibility for because Clowney has played enough linebacker. Yeah. And in that case, you're looking at probably... Uh, some combination of basically Ansa's spot plus Reed and Puna with Woods floating in. Uh, I think Woods plays Woods in this situation plays a lot of nose tackle. I can see Puna playing the, nose and the other of his the other two guys have to run. The other two guys play uh, side techs and Q is actually the guy who I think rotates in with those yep. guys. Q would rotate and in I, really I really nicely. think Ansa in this situation is like hit the bricks. Like in a, if we play three four, like there's nothing. But they're not going to play three four. One thing is. Pete's stubborn. I don't think he'll ever want to play a 3-4. If you're playing a 3-4 over, you're functionally playing a 4-3 at that point, and, though. And the second so thing is... A, you're playing a 4-3 with a stand-up defensive end. I really don't... I really want to get some of these linebackers off the field, and that puts more guys into the front. Well, so what I was going to say this is... This is working against some teams, though. Against the Rams, this is definitely what we should do. So what we should be doing is basically using Quandre Diggs as a... Um, like Deion Buchanan, like Buchanan was used. So he is a safety linebacker. So we're running functionally a 4-3, except our weak side linebacker is actually a safety, and Wright and Kendricks would be rotating in strong side linebacker, depending on if we're looking more for coverage or pass rush. And so it would be more of a 4-2-5. But... One thing I don't like about this is it. I don't think it lets Clowney play to his strengths either, which is like Clowney, for all he likes to freelance a little bit. He likes to float. And that That's what I was saying about the come, four three over because then you can have him angles. be a stand up. You can have him be a stand up defensive end, um, playing like, on the I kinda, outside. I kind of like where where we have him now, where he can he can starts out at that position and then kind of moves to the middle or just kind of messes with. He kind of messes with the other team, which I I kind of find fun to watch on tape. He'll and he's just, so he'll active. Just, he'll just start floating towards the middle before the play even starts, and you're like, oh man, he sees something. Something's happening, <laughs> and then all of a sudden he's just pushing a guy straight back into the quarterback. Yep, it's like, oh okay, he he knew what he was doing. Eric, you got uh, any uh, ideas to fix the? You deal? know, I really like that Kevin finally went into his three four. Uh, analysis from the you know I was looking for from the preseason and before that I uh, like what you had to say I got an idea where uh, Michael Kendricks and I are going to be talking about what might work out there and then uh, I execute it and Mike is just waiting to go into the game because I feel like he's got his snaps <laughs> we'll give him to literally anyone else uh, and, uh, <laughs> Eric is going to be like Kathy Bates in misery she's going to tie him to a bed and hobble. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna have the headset on, and then I'm gonna basically be putting my finger up to him. Like I'm gonna get to you in a second, and that's gonna be the whole game. Hey, hey can you tell me about some good investment opportunities that you have? Okay, yeah. um, back to the defense. <laughs> I'll say this. Uh, you know, in all seriousness, Quandre Diggs makes his Seahawks debut this weekend. I'm really excited to see where the Seahawks play him. Look for him to play in a few different spots. Look for him to kind of like the return of the Cam Chancellor look that we had right the, a the, few times. Because Cam yes. Cam gave us the ability to disguise our defense a little yes. bit, right? He comes down to the box. This I'm not saying this top. is going to solve everything, but you got to remember this is actually a really big trade for us. A week earlier, a week before the trade deadline, right. it was kind of like and we it, ha- haven't got to see what happened with the results. No, yet, and right? it flew under the radar outside of the one day of Detroit and Seattle. Let's face it, that's two sports towns. No one really gives a shit about. Um, this could be really cool for us. I'm, it's not going to cure everything, but it has a chance to give you hope. What I think about with him is I think about Brad. Brad's just a guy who comes in. He's a professional football player. And that's why I think we're going to get in Quandre Diggs. 
a guy who's going to come in, be disciplined, know his job, be athletic enough to make a play here and there, um, and really just be a solid presence and a stabilizer. Mm, Another veteran. All right, so uh, let's get to now. Let's get to the money zone. Uh, if you are a person who wants to support the Seahawks Nest podcast, there are many ways to do so. The best way: head over to Patreon.com/slash/SeahawksNest, and for as little as dollar twenty-four a month, join our group chat. Just send me. If, if you're a Patreon and you're not in the group chat and you want to be, just send me a message on Patreon or Twitter or however you uh, want. And however you decide to contact me and then just uh, let me know the group chat i think is a lot of fun on sundays uh you get to see uh, us making fun of brett who's always freaking out about something whether it's uh whether <laughs> it could be a lot of things just just everything's terrible until Every- it's great and then he and it's terrible it. uh james james tom lucas carrie richard bob Kieran, brett mike david flocknus keith mitch michelle brian frank nick Thanks for helping out the Seahawks Nest podcast um, and keeping us going. We also got a review this week on uh, on iTunes. We're up to 96 five-star ratings, which is pretty crazy. Woo. Almost to 100, and then we're three. So that makes us 324 wait, away wait, wait. So from our ultimate goal. we're at a reverse 69? Oh, yeah. We are. I didn't even think about that. Okay. The, uh, All right. Our nice. missionary review is a five-star review. Here so it is. So this is a five-star review. It says, love the analysis. Please fix the mic wobble. And then it talks about how like, <laughs> lately there's been a weird mic wobble. So full behind the curtain of the Seahawks Nest podcast, um, I'm moving. And so I've been packing up all my stuff, and I packed up like all of the the desk the that de- we used. One we used to use two desks. Now we have one desk in here. So Eric's been putting his microphone on like a chair, and then sitting on the ground for most of the podcast. It's actually it's actually pretty comfortable. <laughs> it's my call. Nathan's like, "Are you sure you want to do that? I yeah, can I was get like, you something." I was like, we, I'm like, nah, that's and I was fine. like, "We can all squeeze into this this on one." On the other desk. hand, I'm squeezed in next to the mixer. Desperately, my my laptop is desperately clinging to life on the corner of this desk. Yeah, I was like, Eric, I think we could both fit right here. He's like, "Nah." dude it's okay so that so anyway that 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 problem will either be fixed in a month but we tried really hard not to do it in this episode so if, if it if we appreciate still, the feedback if it's still there let me know i did bump the mic one time that i yeah i I, I was very careful to not bump the mic i was i've been looking at the stand anytime i talk so bump the mic you don't bump the mic. we always do appreciate the feedback no kidding uh but yeah that thought, that review back. made me laugh because i was just like man th- th- we've been having <laughs> That's funny that a technical issue arose from this uh, packing up to move. attacked. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. All right. Then um, Movie Club. All right. Oh, man. Can I just oh, wait. Say- wait. I want to tell everyone. Follow us on Twitter. More reviews on iTunes. Uh, more reviews on Stitcher, SoundCloud, wherever you find your uh, your Seahawks podcast. Uh, We're 324 away. 324 away. Um, I'm, I'm having a lot of fun. I'm like, this is uh, nice. And uh, guess what, guys? LAFC. The, the undefeatable, the 72 wins team, uh, they got the best player in the league, Carlos Vela. They are losing 3-1 to one to the Sounders right now. So I just want to get in the mode. Championship mindset, guys. The Sounders are going to win the, the ship, and the Seahawks are going to win the ship. It's, it's, it's all Seattle's year now, baby. It is football and football. And yeah. next year, NHL comes to town. And uh, oof, I hope that they were not... And the XFL, oh my gosh. Red, they're going to have red in their team colors, which I hate, because red is not a Seattle team color. That's we'll correct. see, we'll see. If they put red in the team colors, I'll be mad. But every branding they've done so far has red in it. So it makes me... Isn't it like a coral color? Isn't it just a little scarier than that? No, it's it's straight up red. What if it's like a cream and red, like the old Rainier's uniforms? Gross. Red is not a Seattle color. Like Seattle, all the teams share the same kind of motif. It's a green and a blue. Sonics had red. This, yeah. Only when they were terrible. 90s and, and I really, and I, yes, because we didn't win, Kevin. And I didn't like them. I didn't like the red. The red. I like the classic uniform. And I like the and I like the new ones. I like the the green and gold. 
The, the new Green and the, Golds were good, too. The, the new ones from 12 years ago. Okay, fuck. You're uh, old. Congratulations. No, I'm not old. I'm just like... This makes my brain hurt. It just sucks because that I went to like a bunch of games during Durant's rookie season, and now I have to think about how sad I am. But I liked this logo. This logo that I'm showing you right now that no, the, the oh, viewer... Oh, it's amazing. The viewer can't see, but the... It's the last Sonics logo. Podcasting. This 2001 to 2008 logo is super solid. Yeah, I still like the 75 this, to 95 this logo. One's that the one's best the best. One. That's the best one. Those yeah, two are in a logo the, off. The classic skyline. This one, the worst. Dirt worst. Shouldn't have existed. Why is there red in that logo? Red is bad. Okay. Red is the color Red's of the... Red's a California color. Red is the color of the Blazers and uh, the 49ers and every team I hate. Yeah. And the Broncos are red adjacent because they're orange. Sure. Yeah. And also their, their logo is like a mm, horse. Okay. So here we go. Uh... <laughs> Uh, I knew you'd like that, Kevin. Uh, so we are doing t- uh, fi- uh, a bunch of lists of f- top fives to round out the 2010s. 2010 to 2019, the decade comes to a close. Last week, I gave you guys homework. Kevin, uh, Eric, did you both watch uh, The Wind Rises or just Kevin? Uh, just Kevin. I was to watch Snowpiercer because I didn't have The Wind Rises. Okay. And Snowp- you also didn't watch your name. Well, so you I was... Really don't, was don't, don't talk about Snowpiercer yet. That's going to be like... Three more podcasts, or do we already do? Oh, we that was sci-fi. We already did that one sci-fi. What do you think of Snowpiercer, Eric? Haven't watched it yet. Oh Didn't do my homework. All right, just uh, like, just like okay, regular Kevin, school. So I said I gave a slight edge to The Wind Rises, but very slight. I think both those movies are probably like three and a half or four for me. What do you? What do you? Uh, which one did you give the edge to? Uh, I give the edge to Your Name. Okay. Um, I think Your Name captured me more start to finish, and I felt like the. Uh, emotional notes that it hit were more consistent. I felt like The Wind Rises had a great close, and the emotional note that it ended on was really, really strong. I respected that they tried to do an animated biopic, which is difficult, but in the end, I feel like Your Name was the better movie. Oh, man. All right, well, then I'll just... I said I would let you pick, so (laughs) here we go. I'd be willing to put Wind Rises over Tintin. No. Okay. Tintin is the best Indiana Jones movie. What do you guys think about that? I like I it. Think you're wrong. I, I think your analysis I is would correct. Take Raiders over We're, it ten out of ten times. I, I mean, Raiders. Tintin, that's a different story. Tintin, Tintin's the best uh, Indiana Jones movie since two thousand. <laughs> oh man, high bar! It hey. is the third best of all Indiana Jones movies. The end. Fourth. No way, man! I Temple okay. Temple doesn't stand. I, I don't want to. I don't want to get into this because I. You cheat, Doctor Kevin. I think some people are. Some people already don't like some of my movie takes, and I think if I give my Indiana Jones takes, I might drive everyone away. Let's let's uh, focus on this new uh, this new top five we have. All right. all right. In honor of Halloween, this is Horror Week. Horror 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 week. All right. So why is High Life the best? <laughs> Dude. Uh, Sorry. What is the worst movie ever made, and why is it Ghostbusters 2? I couldn't help it. That's my bad. Um, Okay, so horror, Kevin. Uh, Let's start with Eric. Eric, what's a horror movie that you think um, it's got to be in here? Okay. You want to give your five, and then we'll narrow it I was going to say, am I just giving my five? Go for it. Okay, before we get into this, Kevin and I had a very interesting conversation. I have like a a five already, and I'm like, yeah, yeah, I got a five five for exactly five movies. I think all of these movies are the best five. I have kind of a weird question because there's like, like, it's going to be a movie that's going to come up and a movie that I have that I'm not really sure are exactly horror, but people are going to call them horror. I've got a couple that I think are fringy on horror. And I, I don't know, I kind of like. I don't know if I want to put these in horror. I'm also a little you... foreign film heavy, I'll be honest, because I feel like 
do you want me to, a lot of good foreign do you friends. want me to tell you the names nathan or you go just ahead. want to just go, go ahead, ahead. Yeah, i don't think no all five i'm talking about the movies that i kind of don't want to see here all right go ahead tell me that you're like fringe horror movies they're not real i don't horror. i don't feel like green room is a horror movie oh, i man. think it's an awesome stellar movie i don't think it's a horror what movie. makes it not a horror movie to you um there's it's about bad people. So is Silence of the Lambs not a horror movie? Yeah, uh, that's. I'd say um, that's a psychological thriller. I don't I was, think it's a horror movie. I, I think that's a detective so movie. Psycho is not a horror movie either. No, that's different. That's a that's a mass killer, and I I feel like that's splitting hairs too, Kevin. That's definitely a horror movie. It's so, a, it's got a shower scene. It's iconic. Just because the bad guy, just because this movie seems like it could really happen. If the, you if you it's, really it's, want to put it under horror, I just feel like it's where everyone is like it's a horror movie, and it's like eh, is it? I would feel like it's closer to horror than action, and we aren't going to have a psychological thriller week. That's fine. I'm just saying, I don't think it's a horror movie. Here are my five. Okay. The Witch, or affectionately known on this podcast. Yeah, affectionately known on this podcast as The Vivitch. Oh, good. I was wondering what movie you were talking about. I have, uh, I, I kind of debated this, and then I watched it again. I'm like, yeah, hell yeah. Hereditary. Okay. Have you seen, have you seen, um, have you Midsommar. seen Midsommar yet? No. Okay, I'm gonna say this. I like Hereditary. Midsummer is better. Same. Uh, <laughs> you gotta that's watch what Kevin it, dude. Said, I have I have uh, three reviews of Midsummer that all said the same thing. You're gonna and love I it, asked dude. Kevin, and he he said no, that's not it. But his answer was also like maybe. You're gonna like Midsummer, dude. It has like a. Um, Eric, like, has I heard it was that I couldn't answer. I heard can it I, was better. Can I tell when you when it was called The Wicker Man? Can I have tell no. you no? Can I tell you one thing about it that will make you? There's a um, relationship exes thing in this movie that I think you'll totally dig. Like that okay. you'll meet on like a. How do I explain I, this without spoiling it? I will also say I love, <laughs> I'm going to see it when I can. Absolutely. So I feel like it's one of those movies where they give you all the pieces to know what's going on, except they'll give you like the last piece just before it's relevant for some of them. And for others, they'll let you know for a while or they'll let you be like, oh, crap, that's what he meant when he said that. Yeah. The other thing I think is really cool is they film drug abuse in like the most interesting way, like the way like the flowers are winking and it also when they're on the like tripping. It isn't as singularly dependent on Tony Collette's performance, yes. like like Hereditary is, where like that movie. If you think about the other I things like, uh, other than it Tony Florence Collette, Pugh, right in uh, yeah, Midsummer, she's I feel like good. She's great in it, but it's not. It's not requiring like her to carry Tony the Collette. Like kind of carries that movie, and I do like Hereditary, and I think we can maybe discuss this more. But I think I want to put one movie. From that director on here, and if I do it, I want it to be Midsummer. So, okay, and that's I would fine. be in the same boat. But I, I'm with you in respecting. Um, if you love the way that Hereditary was shot, that's with those really cool. Totally, that's great. But stuff. when you go back and watch Hereditary a second time, you will see the creepiness. Yeah, I've only seen it once, and the it's and the little there's shot movie, and there's so many little hints throughout the movie. Okay, okay I'm on to, to watch a, it again because the sign of a great movie for me is when the second time you watch it, it gets better. On to my green room. My third movie on the on this list, I saw the devil. I think, I think very similarly to Green Room, this is a this is a movie that you could say it's not horror if you want, but it definitely is. It's on my list it's, as well. It's so not. On, I think it's partially. You know, it's the protagonist is a cop, so I'm kind of like, it's not a horror movie. It's a but good movie. It's a really good movie, and I really, really like it. It's brutal. Um, I didn't put it on my list because I I feel so strongly about the other movies on my list, not because that movie is not good. Uh, if you have not seen that movie yet. You should Abs- yeah, and it's uh, it is and very. I brutal. have a twelve movie list, so it's on my twelve. Right, I only I only made a list of five because I was like, these are my five. Yeah, I got <laughs> I got Eric got me to say one, which was mid Midsummer. I got seven. So anyway, um, 
Uh, number four, this is where my list gets interesting. And if you don't like it, at me, won't you? Evil Dead. Okay. 2013? Evil, yeah, 2013. I thought no. you were just reaching back. <laughs> well, there, there's the, a key the original watching, Evil Dead wasn't 10 years ago? There's a key to watching this movie that I think, well, well, that people who don't like this or who may be predisposed to not like it might like it better if they think of it this way. Because... If you watch that movie and you think, I want this to be like the old Evil Dead movies, you're going to have a bad you're gonna time. You're going to hate it. You're going to be like, this is not what I wanted. If you watch that movie and you're like, I want a good horror movie, you're in luck because yes. that is a good horror movie. It's a great horror movie and they took the idea of uh, Evil Dead and just took out all the campiness and made it really gross and creepy and they didn't glaze over things. Uh, really impressive movie. The last movie, I had trouble with this because I had a lot of contenders a lot of contenders but some like they front ran and then i was like nah i don't know so i'm gonna go with this i feel like it's almost like the pumpkin spice choice of the room the babadook oh you're gonna lose on this one because kevin hates the babadook and, yeah, and that's and that's fine because that movie's really good though i liked it a lot and it was something that was it came at a time when i didn't really like any horror movies uh kind of like now like i think they're all kind of crap but the babadook was uh interesting i also want to say uh, a movie that might be on Kevin's list, Train to Busan, is really good. If you're sick of the zombie genre like I am, uh, don't watch anymore, but watch Train to Busan. Oh. And uh, <clears throat> one one last thing I'll throw out, anthology horror movies are kind of my favorite. If they suck, they, they certainly suck. But the VHS series, mm-hmm. uh, VHS 1, 2, and 3. There are I've, parts of those movies that are awesome. Every single one has at least one or two uh, little stories that are just going to they're gonna they're blow your tits off. Uh, so just to back this up immediately because it's relevant, um, Eric and I both have a fondness for horror anthology, um, be it uh, Trick or Treat, John Carpenter's Body Bags, uh, the classic creep show movies. Southbound, a horror anthology from 2015 that is all about uh, like a Route 66 type scenario to link it together. Really solidly interesting watch. Hmm, I haven't seen that one yet. Yeah. So anyway, uh, who's next? Not go. the movie who's there's, next. There's who's four going? movies that I want to add to this, what we've already said. there, And I feel very strongly about all four of these movies. And none of them are movies Eric mentioned. Okay. Ready? Nice. Here we go. I like it. So get out. Get, what else? get out. <laughs> and I knew that was going to be here, but I have not seen it. And I get it's, out. It, add it to the list. Um, The coolest thing, part of Get Out for me, okay, and people who like this movie, it, it, the coolest part of this movie for me is they got me to feel... Um, when the cop showed up at the end, I felt the way that I normally would not feel if a cop showed up in a bad situation. I was like, oh, snap, this is bad that the cops are here. And I'm normally I'd be like, oh, yeah, the cops will help us. And I was like, dude, Jordan Peele did it. He got me to put myself in like someone, you know what I mean? Like I was totally engrossed in the in the other side of that. And I was like, this is awesome what he's done. Um, us. Us is the epitome movie for me of... This movie uh, gets better every time you watch it. I've watched it four times now. And every mm. time I watch it, I see more details. I see more interesting things that he was doing in the movie. More um, interesting. There's just so many layers to this movie to peel away. Um, the horror elements are really good. The comedy elements are really good. But the thing that is, is just this world building element is so strong and so interesting. Um, and so weird. And I really enjoy it. Um, A Quiet Place. Is a thing I think that needs to be mentioned in this. Uh, Quiet Place is really cool. Uh, very interesting use of sound. 
um, a movie that mostly is quiet, and I've never been in a quieter theater than during A Quiet Place. People um, didn't once, want to eat their popcorn once, because it seemed inappropriate. Right. Once it kicked in, it was just like so tense in that theater and so quiet and so concerning, if I'm being honest. Like it was just concerningly quiet. That movie and, does a really great job in its first death of the movie and the first time you see the monsters or or get a brief glimpse of them, it's a very powerful scene. Um, and then my other one that I feel like needs to be mentioned in here is uh, It Follows. Um, it Follows combines um, really good horror terror with excellent shooting um, in also just like uh, a, a really like crazy imagery. Kind of like The Witch. The Witch has some really crazy imagery in it too. This movie also has like some insane imagery that like is just truly uh, concerning and <laughs> disturbing, and uh, I think the it, witch is very direct in its imagery. I f- and uh, kind of like a medieval symbolic. I think it follows is generally like or genuinely like what the hell is that? Yeah, and there's just like terror. There's just like this yes. terror in it. F- it follows that I think is really true. one movie that none of us are going to mention that I want to talk about for a second that I think everyone will expect us to talk about oh, i was is... gonna talk about that at the end don't oh okay save it okay fine because right. i'm sure it's the one that... it's a you're 100 okay. percent. yeah we're gonna say okay, that go ahead what are some ones that we didn't mention yet kevin that you had on yours all right so i have exactly five that haven't been mentioned that i nice. think should be mentioned okay uh one is and it was kind of mentioned train to busan train to busan uh out of all the horror movies ever is the one that just throat punched me right in the feels um this one got me and it's an excellent movie uh if you like horror movies this movie did for me the same thing i remember the first time i saw 28 days later it subverted expectations in so many good ways uh another one i'd like to bring up and by nature there's going to be a number of foreign films here um the wailing Mm-hmm. Which is an interesting movie about. It's been on my watch list for so long, and I've never seen it's it. It's because it's an over two hours, which means that you, it's very unlikely uh-huh. you watch it. It's a big commitment. It's a very long movie, <laughs> but it's really, really good. Uh, the Wailing is a movie about uh, potential curses slash demonic possession, but you spend a lot of the movie wondering what is and isn't true about that. Uh, Troll Hunter, which was briefly mentioned during the sci-fi. But that's a cool one because of what it does with mythology. It's got a found footage element. Um, I want to bring it up again here, though I think it's... I don't think it's going to make the list. No. But Troll Hunter's a movie that you should go out and see. And that's why I want to say it again. Is, and is that it? Is that everything? Uh, no. The last two, Tucker and Dale versus Evil. Okay. I, which I, I think is the most clever... I had it in my honorable mentions category. I was going to bring up a bunch of honorable mentions right here. That's and that my was one favorite of comedy horror. It is probably the best comedy horror movie. Um, just because it takes the trope of yeah, so um, the hillbilly murderer and turns it on its head. It's and it's genre subversion too, like the the way that they're they totally subvert the whole genre, which yep. is like really good. And they do it in such an interesting way. In a in a in a more clever and funny way than some other movies. Yep. And then <laughs> I winked at Kevin when I said that good. and he was almost he almost laughed. I almost we're, got we're you. Almost got you to to vamp. And okay. then the last one's Green Room. Uh, I think Green Room deserves to be mentioned. I, see, I counted Green Room as being mentioned already because I, I was going to bring it up too. Green Room and It Follows are the two movies that pulled me back into horror. Yep, those movies are both great. Okay, uh, other honorable mentions I think that didn't get mentioned. Bone Tomahawk. That movie's gross. I uh, love it. Uh, don't Breathe. I haven't seen it. Need that to. It has a gross part too. It's really good. Wait, um, Don't Breathe is uh, 
It's the one where they they're robbing the they're blind the house. Guy. That was a really interesting movie with a a uh, and not so much same, a twist, but same very... director. Same director as Evil Dead. Eric. Yeah. Did you know that? Uh, no, I didn't. But That's... it's uh, it's a completely different uh, movie. The the yeah, they're totally different. But they're both really good. Uh, the Endless, um, which is a really weird independent movie that um, you about, like the Endless, huh? About time bubbles. Have you seen it? Yes. I like it. I think it's interesting. The the acting is not uh good enough to make it truly onto the list. I'm just shocked you put this in. It was a very interesting movie and it was independent. It looked kind of like it had that oh this isn't going to be very good, but it it impressed me that it was a uh, I'm 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 impressed you saw it. Um yeah, I actually I got a copy of The Endless as a prize in something and I'd already watched it so I gave it to Brett. I wonder if he ever watched it. He's going to tell me now cuz he's going to listen to this. And then uh Raw you guys seen Raw? Yeah, I have not. That's been on my watch list for a while. Raw's a Raw's a banger. Raw was better than uh, I thought it would along be. Along with uh, what was it? The Raw's one about, a banger. What was the one? It's something about tigers. It's a Spanish movie. It's a Spanish yeah, it's horror a, movie. Tigers Spanish. are not tigers are not afraid. Yeah, tigers are not afraid, which is written as a fairy tale. Um, only like the bad guy in the fairy tale is murderous drug cartels in Mexico. It's super interesting movie. That and Raw are two movies I've been meaning to watch and haven't. All right, what's a movie that right now? Um, let's all pick one that we would just like that just has to be on the list for you uh, like otherwise this list is not complete let's just try to do it this way let's try to get because we have too many movies way too many yep. and I will say this I'm not surprised that this list in particular is really long because 2010s has been like a horror renaissance I think horror in the last 10 years is probably the best genre in filmmaking right now it's the kind of last bastion of some real crazy creative stuff going on in consistently like small budget filmmakers are able to get stuff done in this genre more than any other and i feel like also uh european and asian filmmakers have been doing super interesting things in right this space. like just so much interesting thing happens things well, happen in this space kevin what's your movie all right what's your one movie? To be son. okay you uh, have to have two it. movies that have to be on the list for me and this is one of them okay right. so that's because i know what i know that we have three other movies that are going to be on okay this what list. Is, and then what is your what's your movie that's got to be on here the witch the vivich the vivich can i argue against the witch what's your argument um because that's I, that's my one i you have to put that on there. i like this movie don't get me wrong um for me the the thing about this movie is is that it's the pacing is really slow not very much stuff happens in this movie and it's just like it's just like jumping you i think that the the director of this movie wrote the movie as well and i think he would have really benefited from another Having person another person come in and like doctor up this script a little bit because it's just like too man bare- i disagree I the exact there's same so thing about his newest movie as well it's too bare bones for me. i disagree man there's, there's so a, there's, a, there's so many layers to this movie like at, like i and i've watched it twice too I watched it once in the theater once at home and the atmosphere is awesome the the the, the concept the is really good. good the the um it's shot really well the like the way that you're in the in the period time period is cool but like they I just did think- witches in a creepy way without throwing them in your face they made every part of it hey, look, I believable. Said, I said we all get to put one movie in. If you're putting in the Vivich, that's fine. I mean, for me, it's just like I, I'm just telling you why I don't like it. Okay. <laughs> or why, why I don't love it. Like I I, I like that's it. That's my number one. It's gotta be on there. Especially right, there like you, you wanna if you wanna put Midsummer above Hereditary, and I know you're gonna put Get Out. And I feel like Get Out deserves actually to be was, there. I actually was gonna gonna say I only wanna pick one Jordan Peele movie, and I wanted to make the argument that it should be us and not get out. You know how I feel about I us. I'd like to hear that argument. No. <laughs> Why not? You know I felt that us fell apart at the end in a few ways. I like that movie a lot, but it fell apart way too much to put it in top. Like, it fell five. apart in what way? The, 
without okay, we're spoiling the movie. Yeah, just every time I'm scratching my foot on the floor, there's a shadow person under the ground scratching his foot for me. He's making the decision to scratch his foot. If someone's on a roller coaster, is, there's a bunch of people he, down there pretending they're on a roller coaster. Is he making a decision though? Isn't the whole point of that that I the don't people care who, about the deep thoughts? That was stupid. That quit trying with your arguments. That was a stupid point of the movie. Hank, it's really stupid in the. I mean, you could say that about any movie. It's I stupid know in it the witch just, that there's a goat that can talk. Like, I mean, every movie has goat, things like the that. The goat doesn't talk. You never hear the goat. Also, did you know that, did you the know that real... they tried to get the goat to talk, but they couldn't get it to told so long? Yeah, do you know there were two goats in the movie, and one slept, and the other one, the 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 character, the dad that jumped. he kills, the that Black Philip kills, that goat was actually the only thing he ever did that besides eating was attack that actor. They had they they tried so hard. Like when they yeah, they wanted the goat to like sit still and just do that so they could yeah, do a and scene that, where the goat was they showed the goat that talking. Goat, that goat would literally it. cuddle everyone and that actor he would just go after him and they're like, Well, we got the right goat. That's a funny little thing about the yeah. witch. I like like I know how much you guys everyone in this room and you guys talk nonstop about Get Out. If you do not put Get Out on this list, I may get out. You don't even see Get Out. No, but I if know you, how much it meant to there you. Are some, I will get Get Out over us. Then, I, then it's fine. We'll do Get Out over us. But I'm just saying. I us, think there's an argument to be made over about us. I there feel are, like, and I liked us. The attention to detail in both these movies is really high. But in us, I felt like the every little detail points to this this bigger message, and I think, I it's think really us cool. was more ambitious, and I appreciated that. I feel like Get Out was a tighter movie that did that. I think met its goals more cleanly, and I appreciate that slight. Right, and the whole holding hands at the end, oh no, dude, hands across America. I, I thought know, that was, it was actually really good. I thought that was. Good. I thought that was very heavy handed. Because that's the point. That's the point. I don't care if she, it's the point. She got like sent it. down to the to the upside down. She got <laughs> choked out in the upside down, broke her throat, had to talk like this the whole I freaking know, movie. I know. Then, I saw it. Then, I was there. And the only thing she remembered, because she's like eight freaking years old, was like how to do ballet dances and hands across America commercials. Like she didn't she didn't have anything else. So I'm, then she waits I'm, 20 years for her revenge, dude. She's plotting. She's plotting. But so, then there's someone in a helicopter. Was there someone underground controlling a fake helicopter that made that one crash? That, that, those people, the red people, they have the red people have thrown off their shackles at the end of the movie, Eric. They no longer they're no longer following the compulsion to no. to mirror. Yeah, I thought it was really heavy handed in the witch when she actually sold her soul to the devil. I thought that yeah, that talking about she, and then she <laughs> she flew at the end. People can't fly. Uh, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Okay. Okay. What is, so we got three. What so are what's what else? Your, what's your one? Get, so okay. Um, I just get to pick one. Well, because we're picking one each, so it's we have Train to Be Song, The Vivitch. See, these are both movies that are outside my top five. So now I gotta, I gotta be tactical about it. I gotta think of what movie you okay, guys. Okay, so won't it's not gonna in. be Get Out because that's gonna be in off what, of the consensus. What movie am I gonna put in that you guys that you guys won't put in? Okay, so let's see. I'm doing, Nathan's gonna say A Quiet Place. Um, and then we're going to end up with Midsummer no. and It Follows. I'm going to say It Follows. I knew you were going to say that. And I feel like It Follows and it's it's by like a like the like the hair of a whisker over green room to be honest with you. Um, I would tend to agree just because I feel like it it is a it's a monster movie which is different than the other movies that we have on here so far. So then I think what rounds out the list the best and the thing I don't like about it is I feel like it would take Vivich's place very well. Um, I feel like Midsummer's the movie that's missing. It's either I, that or Tucker and Dale. I think that maybe we should strongly cons- consider 
Uh, <laughs> we should consider green room for this spot still. Uh, green room. If you guys are super passionate about it, green but... room is a really good movie. It one it has Anton Yelchin who rules. Every actor in this movie is awesome. Yeah. It captures a. It's like a real thing that could happen. It's so real. That's kind of thing I like about it is that there's no like fantasy element or anything like that. This is just like a real thing that could really happen, and they presented it in such a way that it brings real terror. It's probably a real this thing is, that has happened. Do you know who dreams of making a movie like this? Is like the guy that made Hostel, Eli Roth. Eli mm. Roth. That guy dreams every wakes up every morning and wishes that he made yeah, Green Room because Green wishes. Room is so good that Green I room, don't compare it to Hostel because Hostel sucks. Green Room is like what Hostel should have been, which is a yeah. real life situation that's really happening, presented in a way that is legitimately terrifying. And there's scene and it's like there's gore a little bit elements, you know, like where he's slicing under the door with the machete <laughs> and uh, all that stuff. So I. I want to say I if think you guys want to put this in there, green but green. I feel like I saw the devil was much better. Oh, much better, much better. And uh, that's a subtitled film, so that hurts Kevin. I like a, both movies a lot, and I don't want to pick between the two. I think that they're hard to compare. Um, they're different movies. I saw the devil was definitely the one of the two that is going to have uh, that one even that less one, popular appeal. Like, here's the thing: wide appeal, <laughs> I saw somehow. the devil was psychologically destructive. It made me think so much. It's like old boy, where like you're like I could watch this movie again, but and has the same actor. I don't know. And the if end, I can do that. the end. Compare, there is I no. I compare it strongly to. Uh, um, There's no good ending. Anthony Hopkins, uh, uh, Silence of the Lambs. I saw the Devil. I compare strongly to Silence of the Lambs as far as the feel that you get from the movie and the way that it disturbs you. Okay, uh, so okay, let's let's try to order the other four before we come, and then we'll circle back to this fifth movie. So we've got Train to Busan. The Vivitch, It Follows, and Get Out. I think we could go with go. Get Out, number one, because that's kind of the consensus. And then It Follows. It Follows because no. you want it there, and I'm I think, fine with it. I think It Follows. I would, I could. Don't, what, what, okay, how does It Follows rank for you, Kevin? What do you think of that movie? Uh, I, I want rank. It, it Follows would make the bottom end of my top five. Okay, so then let's go with It Follows towards like two or three, then Train to Busan probably three, and then I, I would have Train four. to Busan two or three. And yeah. If you don't like The Witch at all, I'm sorry. I like it. And then for The Vivitch. No, I said you could pick one, so I'm. I, gotta I think it's with great. That. I think it's great. It's... I just wanted to, to say my piece, and now I'm good. <laughs> um, and then, uh, and then fifth. So our choices are kind of: we got Midsummer, we got, uh, we got. Sorry, the Green Room. <laughs> yeah, we got a. Uh, we, we got, got Green Evil room, Dead, and we, we got, got um... Evil Dead. We got, and then we got what's the last one? Kevin, the the other movie. Uh, I saw the Devil. Yeah. Okay. Is I saw the Devil and Train to Be Sound the same director or anything? Nope. Okay, no. so they're both just Korean. They're totally they're different movies, too. <laughs> okay. Um, but we had three American movies. This is tough. Uh, all right, does anyone have like a, like a... Is there a strong compromise here, or is it... The... I would strongly push towards Midsummer. Okay. I think that Midsummer is doing the Eric has most s- horror I haven't... Thing. Here's the thing. I haven't seen Get Out, and I, I'm, I fought for it, though. Let that be known. You guys are both really high on Midsommar, and that's totally cool because I really want to see it. However... It's the same guy who did Hereditary. Are you sure yeah. you're not excited about it just because you just saw it? That's my only thing. Uh, if you're if you're certain that you love ago, it forever, then yeah. put it on there. Um, I just don't... I don't expect I Saw the Devil to get I any traction here. I also don't expect... Yeah, I'm not going to... I would say that this is a good point for it to uh, just barely miss. It'd be between I Saw the Devil and Green Room for fifth for me. I think Green Room. I can. Can you? Are you? Can you live with Green Room even though you don't think it's true horror? 
that's kind of how I feel about it. I saw the devil, so sure. Okay, all right. Whatever. Let's go green room fit. All right, there's our top five. Uh, so we went uh, number one, get out. Number two, uh, uh, 2A, 2B, <laughs> it follows in Train to Busan, uh, four, the witch, and five, the green, uh, room. green room. The green, Not the, the green room, just, keep, just green room. Keep the the. I went to green room at a, I have a soft spot for this movie too, because I went to like a premiere showing where the director talked before and after, and then I got a t-shirt that said green room world tour. And it has like the, the, all the dates that they did for before the movie came out. So I'll say going into this, get out and train to Busan were the two movies I said had to be on the list or I wouldn't feel like it was valid. So uh, I'm, I'm fine with the list. I'm very sad that a quiet place didn't make it. I think that movie is, uh, is way good, like way good. But I just knew that I wasn't, I don't think I was gonna be able to sneak it past you guys. I think you're uh, right, though. There's a lot of good movies out there. But and... horror is awesome now. That's that's the main, I think, takeaway you should have from this is that we just listed off like 20 movies that are all legitimate, like four out of five. And there's better. so many different you ones. There's gore. There's creepiness. You can get um, why people, psychological. Get, people get Babadook four out of five, right? I understand why. Kevin hates, they can be wrong. Kevin hates gay if icon the, the Babadook. In all fairness. If, yeah, you just don't like gay people. In that's all fairness, is. if the kid died, I would rate it a four out of five. No, you'd rate it at ten out of ten. <laughs> I would rate it eleven hey, out of ten. Okay, there's two movies that the list. there's two movie that movies that everyone loves that uh, that I'm going to. Uh, oh, by the way, the B and LBGTQ stands for Babadook. Oh. Uh, <laughs> uh, by the way, you might be saying that we missed Cabin in the Woods. No, we didn't. It's just not that good. Yeah, I was gonna say that's yeah. the movie I was talking about earlier. Is Cabin in the Woods yeah, not that no, good? It's not that good. And then, and and by the way, by by all means. Tell us that you think it's the best, and I will just go on my letterbox and lower it by half a star for every single person who and then tells me. A lot of people say that this movie, A Woman Walks Home Alone at Night, is really, really good. It's like a uh, skateboarding vampire woman that yeah, lives yeah. in Iran. It's interesting. Okay, I've watched this movie. You, okay. told, you told me The Witch was slow. Yeah, if you think The Witch is slow, this is the slowest movie in the history of time. If you watch the preview for A Woman Walks Home Alone at Night, you're like, you saw all the action. This is the greatest. Oh my, I cannot wait. And then you watch the movie and you're like, oh, okay. And then, and then, and then another Filmed horror, in Southern California. horror comedy. I don't know how horror this is, but uh, but uh, what we do in the shadows. The first <laughs> hour of that movie is as good as any movie, but at the end it kind of drags, kind of drags a little bit, and I don't love the the last little bit of it as much. It's but very that, hilarious. Oh, we're, 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 I'm laughing so hard the first hour of that movie though. I've watched the okay. first. I watched what I do is I put that movie on Spaghetti. when I when I know I'm not gonna get all the way to the end because it's just like I know I'm gonna die laughing and that that IT guy <laughs> the spaghetti scene what's that what's that what's the IT guy they have though uh, uh, Travis or something like I don't know that? he's like a really normal it's a very name, normal name. yeah it's so funny <laughs> who wasn't supposed to be in it originally right they were they're like okay we need another guy for a scene oh that's our actual IT guy let's get him in a scene and we'll call him IT guy and then he was so funny in that scene that they were just like okay we got to keep using him we got to keep using this guy it's really funny all right that's way over time so for Kevin Garber for Eric Ronovic. We'll see you next week. Go Hawks.